Last Shabbat, I have to be honest. I was afraid. I was terrified. I wept. From the safety of my living room, I sat on my couch in horror, watching the events unfold in Colleyville. I read updates in real time from Rabbi Charlie's closest friends on our Reform Rabbi's Facebook page. Yes, that does exist. I read posts from rabbis who were with Rabbi Charlie's family as he and his congregants were held hostage. I read a post from one rabbi that wrote she was in an elder home waiting for the mom of one of the hostages. She, the, the mom, didn't yet know her son was a hostage. These, these rabbis, my, my colleagues, they were praying. They were asking for help. They were asking for advice. They were asking for support. But most of all, they were praying from the depths of their heart that this would end in safety, in shalom. And yet, as horrible as this event was, as tragic as it was, it was not shocking. For anyone who knows Jewish history, it was not surprising. What is quite ironic is that the very Torah portion that they were reading last week at Congregation Beth Israel in Colleyville, as they were taken hostage by an armed anti-Semitic gunman, they were reading a Torah portion that tells the story of Amalek. As the Israelites were fleeing Egypt, the nation of Amalek attacked Israel from the rear, striking down the weak and the weary Israelite stragglers who struggled to keep up as they fled slavery in Egypt. Thankfully, as we read last week, with God's help, the Israelites overcame the Amalekites. And thankfully, last week, with the help of law enforcement and Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker, the hostages escaped unharmed. In the Jewish tradition, Amalek represents pure evil. Our tradition holds that the inheritors of Amalek dwell in every generation, that there will always, unfortunately, be, there will always be those people who set out to kill us just because we are Jews. And so we are commanded never to forget Amalek. And I feel privileged and proud to serve a congregation such as Temple Israel, which prioritizes to the utmost our physical security. And so I hope all of you, as I do, always feel safe within these sanctuary walls. At the very beginning of this week's Torah portion, which we will read tomorrow, we read about Yitro, about Jethro, the Midianite priest, who is Moses' father-in-law. Yitro, even though he was not an Israelite, he welcomed us, and he gave Moses very good advice on leadership. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but one thing that is strange about the Yitro story is that it seems to be in the wrong place in the narrative. The Yitro story actually takes place a little bit later, a little bit past where it is in the Torah portion. 
it takes place, we, it's clear from the text, after Mount Sinai, and yet it comes chronologically as we read it before it. Why would this story be out of order? Well, the medieval rabbi Ibn Ezra teaches that the story appears here, right after Amalek. Quote, to contrast the wickedness of Amalek with the goodness of Jethro. We learn to see that not every nation, every non-Jew, is like Amalek, out to get us because we are Jews. And like our ancestors' encounter with Jethro, we as American Jews are blessed to live amongst neighbors we call our friends, neighbors we can trust and count on. And in what other country in history, what other time in history, have Jews lived in a state in which dozens or a hundred highly trained police officers will rush to save the lives of just four Jews? In which the president, the leader of the free world, would be briefed on our welfare in real time? In which the governor of the second largest state in the union would tweet about our welfare? Yes, we must admit this country is and has been a safe haven for Jews. And yet any student of our history knows that we can and must never take that for granted. And yet Judaism, I contend, must be about more than standing up to anti-Semitism. Our Jewish identity must be built on a stronger foundation than simple worry about who will attack us and who will be our friends. We must exist for something other than simply self-preservation. And in, my friends, in our Torah reading this week, we have that moment, literally the Mount Sinai moment, in which we receive our mission as a people. On Mount Sinai, we see God up close. And I say, we see God. Because our tradition teaches that every last one of us, those of us born as Jews and those of us who are Jews by choice, our tradition teaches that every soul of every Jewish person who has and will ever live stood on Mount Sinai and formed a covenant with God. What is our role in that covenant? What is our sacred mission as Jews? My friends, it is that same message, that same mission, shouted by the prophet Amos and the modern-day prophet that we celebrated here last week, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. They both said, mishpat itan." Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Our mission as Jews, our most important mission, is to care for the neediest among us, the stranger, the widow, the orphan, to stand up for justice in a world where it is so rare, to be a beacon of hope in the darkness, a light among the nations. In the words of Rabbi David Hartman, Sinai calls us to action, 
to moral awakening, to living constantly with the challenges of building a moral and just society. And yet that is not the only call, the only lesson of Mount Sinai. As each one of our souls, each of us in this room, as our souls stood before God on Sinai, we learned another important lesson. This one, not moral, but spiritual. That lesson, that each one of us can stand before God, can see and sense the holiness in our own lives. That is the other lesson, that we can recreate that Sinai moment. We can do it every time we see the Selim Elohim, the divinity, in another person. We can do it every time we are grateful for the world around us, every time that we ease the suffering of someone in pain. That is how we bring God into this world. As Jews, we can and we should be scared at times. We must secure our communities, but we cannot. We cannot live in fear. We have too much else to live for. We must live with the knowledge that each one of us, each one of us is a link in an unbroken chain that goes all the way back to Sinai and extends into eternity. A chain that stands for justice and righteousness. A chain that is sensitive to the oppressed because we, too, have been oppressed. A chain that has seen God and a chain that reveals God every time that we work together to make the world as it is, the world it could be. Kei nihiratzon, may it be God's will. Shabbat shalom.